The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. You're listening to News Talk 920 KVC. I'm Craig Hill filling in for Dave Congleton. And we're going to be talking about jets. Yeah. Not fighter jets, but uh, luxury. Luxury aircraft. Luxury charter aircraft. And I'm here with my guest, Bill Borgsmiller, uh, CEO of ACI Jet. Actually, you know what? Let me cut this music down. I, I want to talk about why I got in this conversation, why uh, Bill is here. So it's kind of a two-part thing. First, um, a little while ago, everyone's talking about lottery fever. You know, there was a $2 billion jackpot, and me and my wife sometimes have fun. And we talk about what we would buy. But seriously, like, we'll research, you know, how much things cost and what we want to do. And we were getting this uh, discussion about whether it was cheaper to buy a private jet or should we lease one is it you know more financially responsible because if i win two billion i still want to be financially responsible so we were thinking about buying a private jet or leasing one and uh, i i hate to break it to you listener but uh yeah i didn't win the lottery so and that kind of sucked but then just after that we had a really bad rainstorm and tank farm road was closed that's how i usually get home so i had to go the long way around the airport and as i'm going down the airport I look to my right. I used to work at Avis at the airport. It was my first non-music job. And one of the things they did was I detailed cars out in a uh, a hangar. And so I'm looking like, hey, let me look over at that little hangar area and see what's going on where I used to uh, wash cars. And I see a jumbo jet sitting in a hangar. I mean, this thing is huge. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is that thing doing here? It's And it's not like a name. There's no like Southwest or TWA who's not even in existence anymore, but there's no airline name on it. And I'm like, what is this massive jet doing in San Luis? So I did a little research and found out that it was a private charter jet company. And I was just shocked. Like, San Luis? How does San Luis have the need for a private jet? And I had so many questions about it. I did a ton of research on uh, private jets. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to bring somebody in who can explain what is going on. And that, a long way around the barn, as my dad would say, it brings in Bill Borgsmiller from ACI Jet. Thank you. Happy yeah. to be here. Go ahead and bring that mic right up to you. You got it. And uh, so I had to have you come in because I might win the lottery later down the road. And if I do, I need to know these things. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I have so many questions about, you know, what should I do? But in the beginning, let's just find out a little bit about what is ACI Jet. What does ACI stand for? Uh, so... A long time ago, it stood for Aviation Consultants Incorporated. But if you were to ask anybody today, they would say it stands for Authentic, Comprehensive, and Independent. But there's no jet. Oh, well, I guess that's jet in the end. That's the jet at the end, yes. It was a a name we made up when uh, me and a couple friends were in college uh, before we started the company, and it just stuck and we kept it. Was it an actual, like, did you have plans on being a private jet charter business? 
We did. We had plans to do a lot of things, some of which materialized and some of which didn't. And one of the biggest uh, misconceptions is that we're just a private chartered jet business. That is part of what we do, but the company is actually quite a bit broader than that. What, do you, what else do you guys do? So we have three lines of business. Uh, the one that we're you know probably most known for, just because it's the flashiest and the uh, the sexiest, so to speak, is the private jet management and charter business. Mm-hmm. However, uh, FBOs, which is the essentially the fuel station, depot, parking, terminal, everything for every airplane that doesn't go to the terminal. So what does FBO stand for? It stands for fixed base operation. It's a funky old term that the FAA made up a long time ago. Uh, but you can think of it as private terminal and service station. Okay. And what, what's the third? Element? The third is uh, the MRO, the maintenance business. So we are the uh, factory authorized service facility for Bombardier, who is a manufacturer of private jets. And I'm, I'd almost bet money the plane you saw when you drove by was a Global Express, which is one of their flagship airplanes. Bombardier, that's a French company? Uh, French Canadian. So, French, okay. uh, yeah, Toronto and Montreal is where their corporate offices are. Yeah, now I was watching some of your videos. You can check out the videos of yours on YouTube. And just go to ACI Jet and they'll have some kind of videos. And they kept having, you know, they'd say someone's name and then FBO. And I'm like, is that like financial business office? I didn't know what FBO and the other, uh, you know, word letters meant. And now it makes sense. So you guys run the facilities for the fueling and the, and also repair and things like that. Yeah. So for any airplane that comes into San Luis Obispo or at some of the other airports we operate at, uh, we're the private terminal. We provide the fuel. We handle the bags, air in the tires, whatever that airplane needs for literally everything from like, you know, a, a young kid learning in a two-seat airplane up to Joint Chiefs of Staff or the President of the United States. If it's not an airline, it comes through us. Okay. So if I own a private jet, private plane, private anything, and I need work done, I need gas, I need some some servicing, that's your guys' company. That's, that's, that's your business. That's correct. At, at a very basic level, if you just need fuel and a place to park for a couple of days, it's the FBO. If you need real repairs and heavy maintenance, that's going to be what's called the MRO. But those are both you. Those are both us in San Luis Obispo. See, that blow, that that completely blows my mind because I didn't realize there was that kind of a service out there. I thought it was the airport that ran those facilities or ran those uh, things that people were needing to use. Yeah, no, we, we lease the ground from the airport because you actually can't own land on a federally funded airport. So as a business, we lease the dirt and then we built all the improvements. So everything you see above grade belongs to us and then we run those facilities. And is San Luis the only one you guys have? Uh, we have operations in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and at uh, John Wayne Airport in Orange County. Okay, I'm just trying. I, I lived in Orange County for ten years. My my uh, son's mom lives down. Orange, I go to Orange County all the time, and I'm trying to think of if I've ever seen any ACI stuff. If you drive down Campus Drive near the airport, uh, I guarantee you'll you'll know we're there. Oh, okay, oh, fancy place. You know what? It's kind of funny because now that you said that, I was like, wait a minute. On one of the videos I watched last night on YouTube for ACI. There was a gold party or gold. Um, you guys were having like a grand opening for something. Uh, yes, that and was I re- probably our party in Orange County. And I remember watching because yeah. I just kind of watched a little bit of it. And I remember thinking that looks like John Wayne Airport. That was John Wayne oh, Airport. Okay. Yep. Well, so, you know, uh, all right. I got some of my uh, questions answered <laughs> and some things I didn't even think to ask because I didn't know what the, I just assumed those, you know, were, letters stood for something corporate, not actual services that you guys offer yeah something i made up in uh a physics class in college okay well i'm thinking you're going to need to know physics to run a private 
luxury jet airliner business. You know, some math. All right, we're going to be uh, back in just a few minutes with Bill Borsmiller talking about luxury private jet travel. And maybe, maybe even you, the listener, yeah, you can afford you know, leasing or renting a private jet yourself. And Bill's actually given away a trip to France. Wait, did we, we didn't, we didn't talk about that yet. Did we? No, we didn't, I didn't. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll have to discuss. The <laughs> yeah, details. we'll come up with that. All right. You listen to News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 KVEC. Back on uh, KVEC Hometown Radio, I'm Craig Hill filling in for Dave Congleton, who will be back on Monday. And uh, speaking of flying on, we are here with Bill Borgsmiller, the CEO of ACI Jet. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, the, the, the world of jets. And uh, you had mentioned how you kind of came up with this in college with your, with, with your buddies. That's correct. Can you, can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah, myself and uh, two friends in college uh, decided to start this company right after we graduated. And all but as as an air service company, what did what exactly did, had you decided to start? Yeah, we decided to start a, a private jet, uh, or I, jet was a lofty goal back then, but a private aircraft charter and management company. Um, all of us went to Embry Riddle, which is a, a popular aeronautical university. It has a campus in Prescott, Arizona, and another one in Daytona Beach, Florida. We were all Prescott grads, and we decided we'd give this thing a whirl. So you knew whatever it was going to be you were going to do was going to be aeronautical. That is correct, yeah. In some shape or form. We were all addicted to airplanes long before we got to that school. So, But I imagine a lot of people going there, they're, they have the same dream. I think everybody goes there with the airplane bug, and that's part of going to a school like that is trying to figure out how are you going to exercise that bug. And so you, how many buddies was it? Just There were three of three, us. Yep. Three guys, and what, you just... Did you buy a plane and just start renting it out? How does how does that work? Uh, we got some investors, family, friends, uh, everything, and got enough money to get a down payment on a small twin engine airplane, and that's how we started it. And you did, were you just renting it out of Prescott, Arizona? Uh, no, we started here in San Luis Obispo. In, really? Yeah, in 1999, and uh, with a little twin engine airplane, and found a few local. Uh, Law firms, there was a gentleman who ran pizza parlors, and uh, we would fly them to Bakersfield, Sacramento, uh, pretty regional stuff. And that would, it's one thing that surprised me was the fact that there would be the market on the Central Coast for. I, I can see the twin engine, you know, guy wants to come from here to there. But since then, you've moved up to large jets. I mean, fancy, large, nice private jets. And so I'm just surprised that it started out with just that two prop plane and yet there was still enough to to grow into where you did yeah and uh, aci's growth has been a little unique because we really wanted to live in this area and living here was a really important thing for me so we've always designed the business a little bit backwards to figure out how to grow it and uh, make it more successful with it being headquartered here which is a little backwards from how most people look at growing a business yeah and oftentimes it's okay we're going to grow the business where you know where you live and you guys were you know Arizona so i would have thought maybe okay that's where you would you would have started it yeah it's the old adage location 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 except we kind of thought about that in a little bit different way that it was just location here location here location here does and, san luis sorry provide a kind of a unique experience the fact that we're halfway between you know the two basically centers of california 
yeah, LA and San Francisco. You're hitting the nail on the head on why you see all those airplanes out there and why we're the service facility for the West Coast for Bombardier. It's because we're central to those places. And in fact, a lot of the airplanes we manage are owned by people who live in the Bay Area or Southern California. But if they're based here, all the property tax revenue and everything for that lives here. So uh, it's a pretty good deal. Of the, of the three elements that you guys control, what would you say is your best, now, your most profitable of the three? Probably the FBOs, um, but John Wayne Airport contributes a significant amount to that. Um, but that's our largest business unit in terms of the number of people it employs and the broadest group of customers it supports. At the FBO level, we support thousands and thousands of different customers uh, at all the airports. It's kind of the, like the idea of you know who gets rich in a gold rush. It's the guy who sells the shovels. You yes. Know? It's who gets rich in you know in the world of uh, private aircraft. It's the guy that services all the aircraft. Uh, maybe I was, it's always a distinction I point out when people come to our facility and I tour them around, they see all these big, you know, incredible multi-million dollar airplanes and those don't belong to ACI. They belong to our customers and uh, we take care of it for them. So, um, certainly, uh, I think the company has been a great success story, but there's a big difference between managing and servicing airplanes vis owning them. It's kind of the difference between being the butler and owning the house. (laughs) Does, does ACI own your own jets though? Uh, we have from time to time owned airplanes when uh, an owner is selling one and we think, hey, that's a great airplane. We're going to find a new owner for it. We'll mm-hmm. buy it and own it for a period of time. But at the end of the day and to you know lead into the question you're probably going to ask at some point is, should I buy, own, or, or lease an airplane? It depends on how much you fly. But unless you have a need to use an airplane a lot, owning it almost never makes sense. Now, who owns that plane that when I was driving by, this thing was like a 737. This thing was huge. Is that one of your guys' aircraft? Uh, it's one that we manage. It, was it in the window in the hangar when yeah. you drive by? Yeah. Then that's a Global Express, and it would have been one that we manage. And that's probably a, either a Global 6500 or 7500. Now, you manage it, but who do you manage it for a, a person? Or is that one that you uh, – there's another company that maybe leases it out or charters it. And it it you... would generally be owned by a company or an individual. Generally speaking, most of those are owned by companies. There's very few people who own something like that personally for themselves. Um, because just like you would want to be frugal if you won you know, the lottery, most of these people that run these businesses are very frugal as well, and that's how they got to be in the position they're in. So um, generally, if somebody owns an airplane, it's because they can justify it. Yeah. Now, the the one I'm talking about, the uh, global yep. uh, jet, uh, now, it's a company that actually owns it and just leaves it there in San Luis for you guys to manage. Yeah, so think of us as a property management company. If you did win the lottery and you decided, hey, it makes sense for me to buy this airplane, you would say, hey... I don't know how to hire pilots. I don't know how to maintain this thing. I don't know what laws I need to comply with if I want to fly to China next weekend or whatever I want to do. We would take care of all that for you. We would help you find the pilots. We would help you maintain it. When you say you want to go to Australia, we'll get all the overflight permits, deal with customs, and all the international law that goes along with operating something like that. That does lead to one of my, one, many of my questions, which was, okay, maybe I have the $2 billion from the lottery, but that doesn't make me smart. So how, what do I do to make sure that my aircraft is in tip-top shape? Because, you know, I work on classic cars, but I, I don't know if I trust myself fixing a jet engine. So that's what you guys do. But, but I just I, – I come to you. Let's say I win the lottery. I come to you and I say, look, I got $2 bucks. What can you do for me? I'm going to France every uh, six weeks. What, what would you suggest? 
Yep. Well, that's the first thing we would do. We would look at what is your mission? What are you trying to do? And if if your mission was not enough to justify owning the airplane, we would tell you that. Like, hey, this isn't the best fit for you. You can charter. You could buy a fractional ownership with a company like NetJets. Um, You would still be our customer coming and going through our facility at the airport. But if you were somebody where you do go to France, let's say monthly, and it does make sense for you to own the airplane, then we would help you identify the aircraft, buy it, purchase it. And then we would help you hire the pilots. We would maintain it. And uh, the FAA doesn't actually let you work on your own airplane unless you have the proper license, so you're covered there. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we would handle all that stuff so that it literally would be that easy. You would just call the office and say, hey, I need to go to Paris on Thursday. And we'd say, okay, what time do you want to leave? You'd say 10 o'clock, but might be as late as 1 because I have a meeting. Can we just be ready to leave between 10 and 1? We would say, fine. We'd have it all set, ready to go. Okay, and so... You're going to tell me what I need. You're not necessarily like a used jet salesman. We're like, hey, come over here. I can really see you. You, you look great in this jet. This is a great jet for you. Uh, there, Those people are out there, but that's not how we operate. And uh, our management business, we actually intentionally keep it pretty small and focused. And uh, we generally only manage Bombardier products since we're the service facility for mm-hmm. that. So if the right aircraft for your mission was not a product that we would fully support through our whole integrated company, we would probably direct you to another management company, and there's several others that we really like. All right. Well, we're here uh, with Bill Porgsmiller finding out uh, if I win the lottery, what am I going to do? What do I need to do? And we're going to have more information when we come back. You're listening to News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 KVC. Dave, I say Dave Congleton show, News Talk 920, uh, hometown radio. Dave is out today. I'm filling in for Dave. Jim's filling in for me, and Dave will be back on Monday. Right now, we're talking private jets. We don't mean to exclude you. If you've got any questions, if you're uh, you know one of the millionaires that live around San Luis County and you want to ask Bill questions about whether you should get a private jet or just lease one, give us a call, 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. And get all your private jet questions answered. Uh, I wanted to bring up, I've been watching private jet videos recently uh, on YouTube. All kinds of videos. And there's one guy, Jimmy's World. And he just bought Elvis's private jet. And I, I showed you off air what it looks like. Uh, what can you uh, tell me about that? Uh, that's a 1960s era Lockheed Jetstar, which was actually the the first private jet that I believe was capable of making it to Hawaii. And in its day, it was... So that makes sense for Elvis because he loved going to Hawaii, you know, yep. aloha from Hawaii. And at one time, that would have been the, the, the creme de la creme of, of private aircraft. But Well, you can tell because it's got real velour. <laughs> Crush red velvet, Yeah, yes. you got to have that interior. Um, actually, we got a couple callers... Uh, Millionaire Paul, he's on the air. He needs to know what's going on as far as private jet. He might get one. So let's, uh, let's find out. Paul, you're on the air. All right. Hey, didn't Elvis also have a 707? It, he did have a 707, and that was his uh, airplane that he used for most of his longer international travel. But, yeah, and that uh, one I think is at Graceland. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been to both of your your FBOs, and I tell you, your staff and your, your facilities are absolutely beautiful. And... One of the things I, I wanted to ask you, 
Uh, are you familiar with the name David Wyrick? I am. Okay. Now, he basically, I think he tried to do what you're doing before you did it, if, if I'm correct. And I, I'm just wondering, what, what's the secret to your success? Because obviously you seem to have succeeded beyond what he was trying to do. Uh, I think uh, you you found the secret of my success in your first comments there. I think if uh, I've ever been really fortunate uh, in this business, it's because I've been able to find the right people uh, to work on the team. So it's definitely something the team does. Uh, we're almost up to 300 employees now, and uh, all of ACI's success is completely credited to being able to put together an awesome team. So if I have any skill, it's probably picking the right people. Is the facilities that you have up there in Paso uh, the same as what – what he he had because it seemed like he was starting from ground zero and the city invested a lot in in that facility. Am I correct? Was it the city that invested in that, or was it the county? Well, the city owns the facilities in Paso Robles. We're actually looking at uh, hopefully building something up there that would be a little bit more in line with what you see in San Luis Obispo. Uh, eventually, but uh, they owned those. That agreement didn't work out really well, and uh, when he uh, pulled out of there, that's when we came in and took over. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, you guys are doing a, a fantastic job. I love the lighting on that that jet that you normally have there in the San Luis hangar. It, it almost looks theatrical. If anybody goes by there at night, that you got blue lights and and the the jet with the con cockpit sitting right there in the window and and it, it almost looks like it was lit up by a uh, like a, a guy that does lighting for movies it's one of Beautiful. my favorite things too yeah thanks for calling it paul and i i can attest to that because that's what caught my eye was i drove by and it was just this gorgeous jet that was illuminated in there and now that with with paul saying that it does it did look like it was lit to be you know to featured yeah, and that, the design concept behind our building in San Luis Obispo, you know, so often airplanes are they're on the other side of a, a locked gate with barbed wire, and they just feel inaccessible. And so uh, that whole building was designed to make people feel like the airplane is accessible, and we thought, why not start with putting it in a window that you can see from the street? It's a picture frame. It's not a window. That's a picture frame right yeah, there. And uh, it, somebody had the brilliant idea to splash some colored light on it. Uh, which we will change at Christmas time. The colors will change to whatever's appropriate, but uh, that's one of my favorite features of the building. That's cool. Thinking of all the details. Uh, we got Alan is calling in. Uh, pilot Alan. You know, I'm I'm the other Alan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. Science Alan, but that's okay. I was joking with Jim. You're a professional. Okay. Yeah, the question, Bill, is when you were on last, you were talking about developing an aircraft maintenance course or set of courses at quest is that still heading forward uh yeah actually the uh first cohort of that class started in january um it's uh it's quest ecology's program but uh, we were obviously a huge proponent we donated some money to it and uh, we also helped them navigate the industry to get a hold of all the tools equipment and training aids that they needed excellent because we need more of these kind of classes practical jobs practical professions so i'm glad to hear that Yep, no, it's underway, and uh, uh, that is a, a great profession. Somebody out of that program, uh, is it's almost like a nursing license. You're guaranteed a job anywhere in the country, anywhere you go with that FAA certificate. So what does it take, a year, two years, how long? It's an 18-month to two-year program. Got Alan, it. you're taking all my great questions. 
<laughs> well, that's the way it goes. I was thinking, you need a little interruption here, Craig, so... <laughs> oh, my good. Well, that's all right, because, uh, you know, if, as long as the listener's involved, that's that's what you want. There you go. Now I'm sure the other Alan will call in. So Yeah, he, he is. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Alan, for calling in. And uh, uh, now I just lost my train of thought, because we do have the other Alan who is uh, on the air. Alan, other Alan, you're on. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, Bill, thanks a lot for displaying my jet out there. I say, oh, my jet's in town every time I go by and see a gorgeous thing lit up in the window. Yeah, well, I, I always protect our aircraft owner's identity, but now that you've decided to out yourself, I guess we're okay. There we go. Hey, I had two questions for you. One, I'd like you to comment. I was out at airport day one day, and you guys were open and talking to some of the guys out there, and they just talked about how strategic San Luis is to the L.A. market and to the Bay Area market and how some owners have decided to relocate the base for their crews to San Luis. And then the other question I have is I understand from going to a couple meetings down in Santa Barbara that you guys are trying to work on trying to get a deal together to move into the Santa Barbara FBO area or at least into the food beverage area on the FBO. So take it away, Bo. Uh, yeah, so uh, in San Luis, that our location, our strategic location, is certainly key to that. Um, being right in between both major areas, um, we've been able to convince some people to park some airplanes here, which is fantastic uh, from a property tax standpoint. Um, I think we generate more tax revenue for the county than Home Depot and uh, Costco combined. Uh, so it's a really powerful revenue source. How, and, how is that possible? With I mean, uh, just on the square footage, do you have more square footage than they do? Uh, well, if you have a, an airplane that say is has a value of twenty, fifty, or sixty million dollars, that one percent property tax goes to San Luis Obispo County if it lives here instead of going to the Bay Area or L.A. Hmm. So you get collect eight or ten of those, and it's a pretty powerful force. Yeah, that's why I wanted to collect private jets because <laughs> uh, to help out the county. Yes, uh, as far as Santa Barbara, we are not actively pursuing that right now, but it has been on our radar, and we have looked at it before. Do you have any other? Other questions, Alan? Nope, that's all. Thanks again for being here, and thanks for employing so many people. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, one thing I would add about uh, the central location here is as a, a parts service provider, uh, we can provide same-day delivery of a critical part or component to either Santa, the Bay Area or L.A., which is a big deal. Yeah, thanks for calling in. And uh, on to piggyback on that last thought, as far as delivery, I, I was reading an article earlier today about construction workers are being flown in on private jets up in Montana and other places where they can't get the, the the workers that they need, the parts that they need, they'll actually charter private jets to, to bring in construction workers. Now, when I was working construction, I used to get chartered uh, 76 GMC pickups from my boss who would uh, also give me a churro from – or no, a chimichanga, sorry, from Chevron. Now, it's pretty classy when I was doing construction, so it was very nice. But when you guys – lease out when somebody charters a jet what comes with that i show up you know in my rolls royce or whatever i'm driving that day what can i expect to happen from you guys well ironically most people who show up to get on a private jet aren't driving a flashy car that's one of the one of the misnomers but in terms of what's included uh, it's a lot like chartering kind of like a tour bus if that makes sense um, it's very similar. You pay for the whole airplane, and the plane comes. It's going to have a crew, including a cabin attendant, if it's a large cabin aircraft. Mm -hmm. And there will be customary snacks and beverages on board. Like caviar? And, no. 
Actually not. No, probably more like, uh, you know, a selection of, uh, you know, chips, M&Ms, things you would find in a convenience store, cocktails, beer, wine, soda, uh, maybe like some very basic sandwiches. Anything you would want above and beyond that would be an additional charge. And that's where if you called our team and you booked an airplane, we would say, hey, are you going to want dinner? Are you going to want lunch? And the cabin attendant would reach out to you and almost like a concierge. Uh, would work with you or somebody at a restaurant would work with you, they'll actually put together a menu for your trip depending on who's flying with you and what you're trying to do. So if I want to fly to, let's say, Vegas, yep. and I want PBR and Funyuns. You will have PBR and Funyuns. But does that is that going to cost extra? We'll probably throw that one in for free. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going to be consistent with what the cost would be in for the, the normal snacks that we would have on there. In the budget. So You're probably saving us some money with that PBR. Okay. But then... Uh, I got some fancy people with me, and they want the the caviar. That's I got. Do I have to supply that, or is that something you guys? No, we'll yourselves? we'll take care of getting it, presenting it, everything. Um, you'll probably even get on, and uh, the flight attendant would even hand you like, here's kind of a menu for what's happening on this flight. So, very similar to like a first class experience in an airplane, except more customized to exactly what you want. That that actually leads into another question I have, which is first class versus private jet. I mean, I've been seeing some of these where it's like $15,000, $20,000 for a first-class seat. And I'm wondering, is it getting – is the cost kind of coming closer and closer between the private jet cost and the airline first-class service cost? Uh, maybe on a on a per-person basis if you have enough people, depending on the city pairs you're trying to go between. So if I want like five people to fly first-class or five people on a private jet – it depends on where you're going and what you're doing, but if you're talking about five people for fifteen thousand dollars first class or five people for twenty, depending on the length of trip, that might be comparable to the private jet. And what's the cost as far as maintenance per hour on a private jet? Um, there's kind of a fixed cost, you know, per year for a big airplane. But if you were to just throw out some rough numbers, uh, the cost to operate a private jet, aside from buying it aside from hiring the pilots, aside from insuring it and everything, is probably anywhere from about $1,000 to $6,000 an hour, depending on the size of the plane. I was watching uh, a couple video. I mentioned earlier, I was watching some YouTube videos about people buying jets. And uh, this one group, it was like these four guys, they're pilots, and they bought their very own private jet. They got it cheap. It was the cheapest one they could find. It was like $1.2 million. It was really bad shape, but they got it together and were going. And one thing they mentioned was that they were happy that the previous owner had added new fan blades in the engine and each fan blade was eighty thousand dollars for and they had two engines so it was eighty thousand dollars a piece and that was 1988 that the owner did it so that's eighty thousand eighty eight dollars and the cost i just blew my mind that that was that's how much that would have cost back then and then it's unimaginable now for yeah. someone to do that the cost to actually maintain I mean, I'm looking at like, oh, new jet, uh, new tire. Like, how much is a tire for that thing? It's more than my car. Well, maybe not quite that bad, <laughs> but a tire change is one thousand to three thousand dollars. Oh, and I and I mentioned uh, Elvis's private jet. It hasn't flown in forty years, and the guy who bought it bought it for two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in auction, and was doing the breakdown on what it would cost to get it to fly again. And they said, well, it's basically impossible because of the engines that you can't find them anymore. But if you could. The whole breakdown to get that thing flying again was going to be $6 million to to get off the ground. But the problem was, even if you got it together, you still couldn't fly it. 
because of the engine restrictions and whatnot. It would be practically impossible. Yeah, too <laughs> noisy, and, and that's one of those things where even if you got it flying, it would it would it would bleed your bank account dry. Yeah, so it does look like you you age out of aircraft. Like if you buy one, you're not going to be able to use it for the rest of your life because it's going to phase out. Yeah, they do get older, although the average life of an airplane, of a corporate jet, is typically about uh, 30 to 35 years is how uh, old they get. So they do last a long time. A lot of the value is in the engines. Mm -hmm. Um, They can run so many hours, and then you have to spend real money to overhaul them and bring them up to speed. It's not... It's like owning a Mercedes. You drive it up to about 99,000, and then you better run. It's a a little like that, and you're not allowed to drive around with the check engine light on in an airplane. Oh, okay. Well, then there goes my (laughs) my dreams of ownership. When we get back, I want to ask you about the Questa program. Okay. uh, And find out more about what's going on there. Maybe, you know, maybe I want to sign up for that program, learn a little something about jets. We're working on jet engines. Uh, We're talking to Bill Borgsmiller, ACI Jets, and uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 KVC. News Talk 920 KBC. I'm Craig Hill filling in for Dave Congleton. Dave will be back on Monday with a show that is lightning in the bottle. Lightning in a bottle. I'm uh, filling in until further notice, at least for today. I'm here uh, with my guest, Bill Borgsmiller, and uh, finding out about private jet, private jet business, all kinds of fun stuff. And off air, we were talking about the, the maintenance costs, and you were telling me about the engines and how... How you're able to keep the value of the jet up with the maintenance costs on the engines? Yeah. So as we were talking about earlier, you know the the cost to operate a private jet using that uh, number of one thousand to five thousand dollars an hour or six thousand an hour at the high end. About a third of that is just the cost to put time on the engines because when an engine's built, it's good for so many hours until you have to completely overhaul it, and that's the law. It's just required because they obviously want those things to keep running up there and when they quit it causes lots of problems uh so that's where a lot of the value in an airplane is so you can either use the airplane up like that and then the value of the airplane drops for every hour you fly or a lot of the engine manufacturers general electric rolls royce they'll offer a program where you pay them so much money per hour per engine and then whenever you hit those uh, big milestone inspections, they're just covered as part of their program, and then the value of your airplane stays high because it's always viewed as having a zero-time engine. So that's what I need to do when I win the lottery. That would be, I would highly recommend you put your airplane on an engine program. All right, good to know. And part of that maintenance is, uh, is that somebody from the Cuesta program, would they be involved in that maintenance? They certainly would be involved in that maintenance. Okay, let's talk about the Cuesta. The, what's it called again? The Cuesta Aviation Maintenance Oh, sorry. Yeah, Cuesta Aviation Maintenance Tech Program. That's correct, or the AMT program, as we call it. Because and did did you guys come up with the idea, or was it something Cuesta approached you about? Uh, no, it was it was our idea that uh, there's been a, a massive shortage of aviation technicians in the country. Uh, and that's only getting worse, and particularly with unmanned systems, drones, a lot of the stuff coming down the pike. Uh, there's just a huge demand for that, and we have such great talent in our youth here locally. It seemed silly to be importing these people uh, when we can just make it right here. And so they go to that. How long does that program uh, usually run? From the day you walk in to the day you turn a wrench on a jet, private. eighteen to eighteen to twenty-four months. And then you're you're an aircraft tech. And then you have a, an FAA A&P license, which is a aircraft maintenance technician license, and you'll probably never want for a job anywhere else in your life. And when you start 
do you kind of work at the bottom? Like you're the guy who fills the tires or brings the coffee or, or what do you, what are you starting on? You will, you will have to kind of learn the trade. It's like being a, an intern at a hospital, I guess would be the comparison. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if you go to a, a good MRO with lots of structure, you can progress as fast as your, uh, skills let you. So, um, we have some people who are only three or four years out of school that are incredible and we give them a lot of responsibility. And I'm just wondering how, uh, how did they come to it if before the Questa program, what was out there for them? Uh, so before the Questa program for a local kid, you really had to look outside the area and go away. Um, we have one gentleman who works for us who uh, we helped him with a scholarship that we privately funded for him to go to Orange Coast Community College down in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we recruit uh, ex-military people that are uh, coming out of the military with the right experience to get the license. But it's a, it's a real challenge around here to find A&Ps, and I'm really excited that we're m- making our own first homegrown batch right now. Is military like the the big – I don't know, pool that you guys take from as far as uh, for pilots or uh, technicians or anything like that? Uh, it's a pool, not the not the only pool, but I would say maybe, you know, 15 to 20 percent. Um, uh, we're certainly a fan of veterans. If we have two candidates and one's a vet, uh, we'll always go for the vet. Well, I, w- I was just thinking, you know, you can't being a, a pilot of that stature. I'm not talking, you know, someone who's doing, you know, a Cessna, but somebody who flies can fly private jets. That's not something you generally just pick up like, oh, my daddy taught me how to talk fly private jets you need to have some kind of background in that that you have professionally earned and i'm just thinking the military would be the, the number one for that but where do you get most of your pilots from uh it, it is a great one um we get them uh from private flight schools we get them from the military sometimes we get somebody who you know started at the airlines and that really isn't their jam and they want to get into the private side of things uh, it comes from everywhere if they haven't flown private jets before they'll generally start off as a first officer and then pick up some experience in the right seat because there's a in a private jet the captain has a lot more riding on their shoulders than in an airline because they don't just have to fly the airplane they also if you're going to other foreign countries they're going to deal with customs imports so there's a lot of regulatory and operational knowledge beyond just operating the aircraft when you fly private airplanes because it's a lot more akin to somebody handing you the keys and saying hey uh, you know, I need you to get down to Egypt next week. And, you know, while we have a great support team, that captain's dealing with all of that. He's not just getting on at gate 25A and getting off at gates 52B. Well, we've got about a minute left. I'm just wondering, is the mentality of a private jet pilot different from like a commercial pilot? A little bit different. They're going to fly a lot fewer hours. A private jet pilot will typically fly about 200 to 350 hours a year. A commercial pilot will fly a 1,000, but they'll both be gone about the same amount of time, about 16 days a month on average. But it's uh, like, you know, if, if we're looking at, like, let's say movies as a example, is one yeah. to be a hot shot pilot, you know, who's uh, thinking he's going to take over the world, and then the other one is a glorified bus driver mentality? Or as far as mentality is going, are they very similar? Uh, they're they're very different. I have a lot of friends I went to college with that are airline pilots. Um, I think the person who flies private jets is usually a little more. They fly less, but they are comfortable with their life being a little less predictable and maybe a little more fun. Um, Getting knowing, that phone call at you know midnight. Hey, we need to be in Morocco tomorrow. Yeah, maybe not quite that unpredictable, but you're you're along the right lines, along the right lines, and you know the airline pilot gets his schedule a month in advance, and that's definitely not our world. All right, well, thank you very much, Bill Borgsmiller, CEO of ACI Jets, for coming in and uh, let me know what I should do when I win the lottery. Coming up, we're going to be talking about your preparations for this winter weather. News Talk nine twenty and FM ninety six five KBC. 
the 920 KVEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.